only source of true delight whom I unseen adore. Unveil thy beauties to my sight that I might love thee more. Oh, that I might love thee more. You're listening to the weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. The following message was recorded live from our sanctuary. Our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen. See my bleeding dying. Our scripture reading this morning is from Romans 8, uh, verses 26 and 27. You can find it on page 944 of the Pew Bible if you don't have your own. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The word of the Lord. Let us uh, go to God in prayer together as we come to his word. Lord, we, we come to a really difficult part of our lives, and that's our, our prayer lives. Lord, you know how uh, each one of us struggles in various ways. We struggle with desire. We struggle with discipline struggle with distraction. We struggle with what to pray for, as this passage speaks of. Lord, indeed, we are weak. We thank you that you have given us your spirit. We thank you that he dwells in us to make us into people of prayer. Lord, we, we pray that you would help us understand something of this uh, this morning. And Lord, especially that we will be. We will pray differently. We we will pray, uh, Lord, energized in new ways by Your Spirit, encouraged by what You are doing in our lives to enable us to pray, encouraged even in our struggles, and encouraged in our helplessness, in our weakness, that You are working in our hearts uh, to bring about lives of, of faith, lives of passionate prayer, lives of fervency. Um, Lord, bless us. Teach us from your word by your spirit. We ask it in his name. Amen. Two things I want to point out uh, this morning. Two points, but don't be encouraged by that. They're long points. So just... <laughs> oh boy, just do! <laughs> Uh, first is that the uh, Spirit, in this passage, I believe, it teaches that He actually, uh, his, his intercession means a change in the way we pray. Okay, His intercession means a change in the way we pray. And I'll explain why I'm emphasizing that in a minute. And then secondly, that our struggles and our groanings are a part 
of his intercession. Now, these are closely interwoven, but, but still, I want to pull the threads a little bit apart just to make the point first that his intercession really affects our prayers and then particularly that our groanings and struggles are an indication uh, of the intercession that the Spirit is carrying on for us. Now, we've been in the section on creation about how at the end of time, the whole of creation is going to be transformed when the children of God are revealed in glory. The true kings and queens of the new creation are revealed and the creation enters into its glory as well, its, its liberty. And then he says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And I mean, some question as what the connection is, but it seems to be that uh, as he gives us hope looking toward that day, so likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness in this present life. And he's talking about the general weakness of mankind, the general uh, inability that we have in the present time between now and when the glory comes to live out this this life. Uh, so it, it's a it's a comment on the total human condition. Stamp it weakness. Um, interested when we visited Charleston to see those old 18th century houses, many of them bolted together literally with a rod all the way through two walls to hold them up, and that's. That's a sense of the weakness. We must be bolted together by the Holy Spirit. And we are bolted together, as this passage tells us, in our weakness. And then he said, but especially in prayer. He says, for we don't know what to pray for. It's almost as though this is the chief indication of our weakness. We can't even pray. You know, The most elementary part of our Christian life, the most basic part of our Christian life, if you can't pray, you can't do anything, really. And so, in our weakness, the Spirit helps us. We don't even know how to pray. Be like your teenage son saying, Dad, you want to play video? Yeah, yeah, I'll play video. Sure, buddy. And sits down and he says, okay, your turn. And you start in like two seconds and you're dead, right? He says, well, my turn. 30 minutes later, he's on level 33 and you're just sitting there, you know, (laughs) like you don't even know how to play, you know, what the buttons do. And that's kind of the sense here. We we don't even have a start. We don't know how to pray. Of course, this begins to maybe take us back a little bit and say, that seems a little bit severe, you know, (laughs) a little bit strong. Uh, But we'll get into this and see what he's talking about. So. First of all, then, I want to show that uh, in this weakness, in his helping us in our weakness, he really actually helps us to pray. Um, Some have thought that that, that the intercession of the Spirit is imperceptible to us, that we don't really know about it. It's just going on. Kind of like the intercession of Christ at the right hand of God, but the Spirit is is groaning to, to the Father or groaning to God with prayers that we can't perceive and their groanings that only God would understand. And there's some grounds for thinking of it this way, perhaps, but I don't think this is what the passage is teaching uh, for several reasons. I think it seems odd that it would just say categorically for the whole of our lives, we don't know what to pray for. Now, I think it means by nature, as human beings, we don't know what to pray for. 
and especially, we don't know the particular things to pray when we're in difficulty. But when you see so much in Scripture about the things to pray for, it seems odd that that just be a categorical statement. And that it keeps on being that way because the only rescue for this is, look, you won't know what to pray for for the whole of your life, but take heart, the Holy Spirit is interceding for you, and he's praying according to the will of God. You will never pray according to the will of God because you don't know what to pray. But the Holy Spirit is doing that, so just be comforted that he's doing that for you. I don't think this is... this. this the Spirit... He always works within us. He's always working to change us and transform us. And when you have things like the Lord's Prayer, where the disciples ask specifically, how should we pray? And the the Lord Jesus gives them a basic outline, a basic structure for prayer. Or you have the whole of the Psalms that are explanations of what to pray for. 150 examples of prayers to God. Or Paul's prayers in the epistles, or Hezekiah's prayer, Asa's prayer, so many prayers. Or Paul telling his, uh, telling people in his letters what to pray for. Pray for us that we'll, uh, pray, that I'll speak boldly as I ought to speak, Ephesians 6.18. Or in uh, 2 Thessalonians 3, he says, pray for us that the word will speed forward and be honored and that we'll be protected against wicked and evil men. So there's what to pray for. Um, and then we're told in 1 John uh, 5, verses 14 and 15, that if we pray according to the will of God, we know that he hears us. If we know we're praying according to his will, we know he hears us. Well, that, that doesn't seem to fit to say categorically through the rest of your life, you don't know what to pray for. But it does fit to say, given in our own humanity, with our own weakness, we don't know what to pray for. But the Spirit's intercession is going to affect that greatly. So that we'll end up where 1 John 5, 14 says, we will be able to pray according to the will of God and know that our prayers are being answered. John contemplates that as a very real possibility, very likelihood in your life, that it is occurring that we are praying according to the will of God. And then you have all the passages where Paul says, for instance, later in Romans 12, he says uh, that we would... Uh, present ourselves holy and acceptable to God, not be conformed to this world, so that we will discern what the will of God is. Well, if you discern the will of God, then you're going to be able to pray according to the will of God. You'll know what to pray for when you discern that will. Many times he says, uh, discern what is pleasing to God in Ephesians 5.10. That you, uh, he prays that you'll be filled with the knowledge of his will, Colossians 1.9. Or abound with knowledge and discernment, Philippians 1.9. So there's much talk in scripture about uh, having knowing something of the will of God and, and praying the will of God. I think when he says to pray in the name of Jesus, when Jesus says this in John 14, it's, a, it's about the same as saying pray according to the will because you are praying according to all that Jesus is, all that Jesus has commanded, all that Jesus has done, and you're praying in conformity with all of that revelation of Christ. You're praying in union with everything that Jesus is. 
And, of course, that would be praying in the will of God. Praying in faith, as Scripture teaches, is praying according to the will of God because you're believing Him and you're believing His promises. That's, that's what you're trusting Him for as you pray. So you must know those promises and you're, you're praying those promises to Him. But our fundamental problem as human beings is that we really don't pray as we should. We don't pray as we ought, is the word here. It it means as it's necessary to pray, that phrase in verse 26. And it should be connected with the statement in verse 27, the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So it is true we don't pray many times what we should pray. We don't pray according to the will of God. But that has not so much to do, I think, with our knowledge as with our heart, okay? That's our problem so many times. Not just knowledge of what the will of God is, but that we don't pray, um, we don't pray because our hearts are in different places. But as to this passage, um, uh, as to his, his interceding, Affecting the way we pray, I would refer you up a few verses to uh, Romans 8, verses 14 and following. Because notice in verse 15, he says, You've received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So the spirit enables us to cry, to pray this prayer, Abba, Father. We've already studied this. But he, he enables us to feel that uh, sonship before God. He enables us to have that sense of intimacy, that sense of God's favor. The Spirit brings this about in our lives. But notice how he puts it in Galatians 4, dealing with the same subject. God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That's Galatians 4.4. 4. Um, Um, But see, in one place it says, we cry out, Abba, Father, by the Spirit. In the other it says, he sent his Spirit into our hearts, who himself cries out. And you think, well, wait, who's doing the crying? But it's just a way to show the intimacy of what the Spirit does. It affects what we do. So that in this case, he is said to do what he causes us to do. That is... He intercedes for us, and it brings about in our hearts groanings, passionate desires uh, that express themselves in many ways. And so there's this parallel, I think, with how the Spirit brings about the cry of Abba, Father, and in this case, how His intercession brings about the groanings that occur in our own lives. So as he uh, is crying, Abba, Father, we cry, Abba, Father. As he is the initiator of these groaners, he's the author of these groanings, but they come to bear in our own hearts and in our own lives. Um, So what we, our problem is that we don't pray according to the will of God. And we, we could connect, we won't go too far into it, but just a few verses later, we see that the, the will of God from before the foundation of the world is that we would be conformed to the image of His Son. That's His will. That's His purpose. 
ultimately that we will be conformed to the will of God and everything works together to that end. So to be able to pray aright in the midst of your circumstances for the will of God to be accomplished in those circumstances. That's the issue. That's the difficulty that we have. And it's interesting how several writers have put it. Uh, Calvin says, we, in the midst of evils, our minds are too disturbed and confused. We're blind in praying to God. We know the rule of God's word, but our affections remained oppressed in darkness uh, until the Spirit guides them by His light. Or Matthew Henry says, we're short-sighted and very much biased in favor of the flesh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, true. Very, we're short-sighted and very much biased in favor of the flesh. So, uh, an example, for instance, uh, and you could be on your third or fourth child, and this could be a, a guy or a girl. It could be the husband or uh, the wife, <clears throat> and you're trying to put the baby to sleep on the seventh night, okay, of the baby crying all night long, and both of you just worn out, just can't stand it. So, you find yourself praying this. Please help the baby sleep. Please help the baby sleep. Please help the baby. Please help this baby sleep. You know, it's only prayer, you know. Just please help this baby sleep. So you're just oppressed, you know, by what's going on. And uh, it's interesting, Calvin also says this, God does not afflict them, afflict them so that they may, and this is a great phrase, inwardly feed on hidden grief. That's a great phrase. He doesn't afflict you so that you'll inwardly feed on hidden grief, but that you may unburden yourself in prayer and exercise your faith. So that you will unburden yourself in prayer. So, here, this would be a beginning of praying according to the will of God in that situation to begin to openly say, Lord, I'm falling apart. I'm coming undone. I cast myself on you. I'm, I'm, Lord, I'm spent. I'm frustrated. I'm exhausted. I feel guilty because I can't get this baby asleep. So you're pouring your heart out. And then in the midst of pouring your heart out, you begin to pray perhaps things like this. Lord, draw me to yourself. Lord, let me see your glory in this. Lord, let me know your presence in this. Lord, let me taste your goodness in this. Let Christ's glory overshadow my agony and my exhaustion. Lord, give me a devoted patience to this child. Make me love this child as you love me. How irritating my sin must be. No, disgusting and repulsive. And yet you delighted in mercy. Lord, it is beyond me. I'm nowhere close. Give me that kind of love. Live out the new life of the spirit of love in me, O Lord. The Spirit brings about those kinds of prayers in our lives. The Spirit in, in our weakness, the Spirit begins to intercede for us. And these begin to manifest themselves in our own desires and our own groanings after His will. And that is encouraging that his own life and his own love and his own energy are involved in the process of your prayers that begin to pour out 
before God. And so, in our weakness and uncertainty and inability and struggle, this is where God's glory, this is where God is revealed. In your weakest times, in your weakest struggles. And so, think again about what Jesus says in John 3, uh, John 7. He says, He who believes in me from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And he's speaking about the Spirit there. From his innermost being, he begins to recreate us. And that recreates our prayers. Why do we not pray for what we should? Because we're not what we should be. (laughs) And the Spirit begins to work within us, even in the midst of our struggles. As I've told you before, I think uh, uh, this is... um, Carolyn David Redfield's son-in-law, John DeVries, when his father was dying years ago, when uh, we worked in Dallas, and I was talking to him on the phone, and and John just expressed this prayer as I was consoling him about the, the tragic death of his dad because they were very, very close. And John said, I just want to manifest Christ in the midst of this. And it stunned me because all I was thinking about was his pain. And I thought that's what all he was talking about was his pain or thinking about. But he was beginning to express by the Spirit's moving in his heart, I want to manifest Christ even in the death of my father. And our sister, uh, Janet Welch, who, by the way, I was going to announce this at the end, but she called me yesterday. And some of you know her mother's been sick. She died uh, uh, night before last and. She was unable to go because of the weather, but she left yesterday uh, to New Bronzeville. But she and Don gave tremendous testimony in his death of giving themselves up to God, giving themselves up to God's will to be used by God. And they were used tremendously uh, as people would come in to minister to them and they left ministered by them as God used them in such a great way. It's the kind of prayer of Solomon when he had such power at his hands and he said, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. The prayer of Jesus on the cross when uh, uniformly people on the cross are hurling curses at people in those days. And Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Spirit bringing about in the prayers of his people that glory. And so, uh, God Himself is the norm. It literally reads, the Spirit uh, prays according to God. You know, according to God Himself. And so, He works in us uh, that to, to pray for these things. And so that, uh, as Tom Schreiner says, God then searches the hearts of believers and finds unutterable longings to conform their lives to the will of God. That's glorious. The the very reason that groanings is used, I think, is to indicate the passion, the the fervency of what the Spirit brings about in our lives. The longing ultimately for the will of God. That's what is perceived in our groanings. He sees, the Father sees, the Spirit's own work of bringing about these longings to do God's will. How encouraging that He is at the root of who you are. To, to bring about these kinds of prayers so that we pray what we should pray. And Matthew Henry says this, The Spirit interceding in us evermore melts our wills into the will of God. 
evermore melts our wills into the will of God. And you even see that process in the Lord Jesus as he says, Lord, take this cup from me, but thy will be done. Thy will and not my will. And so he works in us to bring about that will. But it is also encouraging for us and important for us to know that it is in our groaning and suffering that he manifests uh, himself. Um, it's interesting that his, these groanings are said to be his, uh, so that he is the author of, the, of these, but they come to concrete expression in our groanings. And what's very interesting is that your groanings are the media of his intercession, so to speak. The medium, or the, let's say the plural groaning, these are the media of the Spirit's expression to God, His intercession to God on our behalf. They, they show His His love and desire for us. They show His uh, infinite passion for our good. Uh, it, his intercession registers as as groaning in our heart, the intensity and the heartfelt nature of it, the love that he has for us. And so uh, they're part of his longing for us, part of his involvement with us because he dwells in us. It's part of the desires of God flowing to God through our hearts and lips and lives. It's his groaning for ultimate shalom, his groaning for our conformity to Christ ultimately in that last day and through the process along the way. It's, it's like the Spirit's ache for your good. His ache and his, his longing for your good and, and it, it comes out in our own groanings so that our own humble, faltering cries are really the eloquent breathings of the Spirit. And for us, <clears throat> you know, we, 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 we face so much in this world that is difficult. Uh, the sense of frustration, the sense of futility when you look around, the ruin and misery of this world, the unbearable evil of it, and the longing for redemption. There's this combination of lament and longing, lament and longing that Paul is referring to here that occurs in, in believers' lives. And you know what it is to feel something so strong that you can't even say it, all right? Something so glorious, you just, <laughs> words can't get to the emotion you feel, or they can't get to the concept or beauty of something that you've experienced. You just, you just say, I, I, don't, I don't have words to describe it. You know? That's some of the feel here. The, the, the ache, the longing uh, for his will, the ache and longing for redemption, the aching longing uh, for having different lives than we do. And it could be for us that we have a confession that is the pain that we experience is so great we just don't even know what to pray for. You feel overwhelmed. You feel like all you can do is cry and ache. You don't know what's wrong. You, you think there's no way this prayer is even getting anywhere close to God. This isn't even a prayer. I'm just crying here, right? 
I'm doing nothing. I'm saying nothing right. I'm not even saying anything. This can't even be doing anything before God. And we need to know that He's active in the midst, in the depths of human inability and struggle and pain. The Spirit is expressing Himself. The Spirit is interceding. In our weakness... One says there's a primeval dependence in which the creature can't even boast of articulate speech. (laughs) Can't even articulate anything. It's just helpless crying to God. Among the Greek writings, there's a saying, only the wise man knows how to pray. But this passage is teaching us only the weak can really pray. And that's an encouragement. Only the weak can really pray. It doesn't cut you off from prayer. It's the very evidence of the Spirit interceding in the midst of your struggle. As we express our deep satisfaction with all of our life and the sinfulness of our lives and the sinfulness of this world and we give up ourselves in self-abandonment and have this expectant longing It's the very sign of the Spirit. The very weakness of prayer can be a sign of its authenticity. The Spirit, even then, is assisting us and helping us, giving Himself to us. And these are the kinds of prayers that pierce heaven because of their fervency. So, Scripture has a lot to say about against the uh, Pharisee who is so eloquent before God in the temple and the the publican only says, have mercy on me, the sinner. All he could say, pretty inarticulate. Nothing grand, nothing glorious, just have mercy, I'm a sinner. And Jesus says, he's the one that was justified. So our prayers are not measured by how articulate or learned but they're measured by the fervency of them and the faith of them. And I love what Calvin says, that we're told to knock, but no one could utter a single syllable unless God were to knock to gain admission to our souls through His Spirit and thus open our hearts to Himself. Oh, that's an encouraging thing that the Spirit... These locked up hearts. I love what Zach sang last night. If you weren't there, you missed it. Okay, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but a great phrase. If my heart is locked up, then who holds the key? If my heart is locked up, then who, who holds the key? It's you. You hold the key. And it is a spirit who indwells in us who unlocks our heart. He has to enter in, knock and enter our heart before we can begin to knock on the door of heaven, so to speak. But this he does because he knows our weakness. He knows how frail we are. He knows that we're helpless, even if we don't know it. And he's given the spirit who created the world to dwell into our hearts. And for many other reasons, but here he's saying for prayer. For prayer. If he's there for prayer, that means everything in your life. It means everything. Because 
to, to pour out our hearts before God passionately, to, to begin to be led by the Spirit, to lay hold of the Word of God and the promises of God and the real will of God in our lives in the midst of our frustrating and terrible lives at times. But to lay hold of that will in prayer is the most glorious experience of intimacy with the Father. And that's what the Spirit is bringing about in your life. <laughs> Inside-out work so that you will have passionate, sincere prayers you know, James says you pray and you receive not because you ask for the wrong reasons. You ask to spend it on your lusts. But here the Spirit so works in our hearts so that we, the, the, the Father, seeing our groans, knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Seeing our groans as a reflection of the Spirit's own moving in our hearts to create a desire for God and a desire for His will. So I urge you, uh, this isn't a, a reason not to pray. This is a reason to pray. It's a reason to pray with expectancy. It's a reason when you are fumbling and failing and, and your life is struggling and you just hardly know what to cry out to God to know even then the Spirit is working in my life. These are the very intercessions of the Spirit. Let us pray. Lord, we are amazed at your involvement with us. We're amazed, Lord, that you know our interior. You know us from the inside out. You work from the inside out. You are pouring forth life from our innermost being according to the promise of Jesus. And because Jesus died on the cross, because Jesus was raised to the right hand of God, he was given the gift of the Spirit. He pours out His Spirit into His people's lives. And as it's called in Zechariah, in the new age, it will be a spirit of supplication. Oh Lord, thank You. Thank You that the Spirit causes us to cry out with real faith, with real comfort, with real joy, Abba, Father. And that the Spirit takes hold of us in the midst of our weakness and even in our groanings, even in our inarticulate agony, Spirit is interceding. Spirit is moving and transforming us. The Spirit is leading us so that we indeed begin more and more sincerely, joyfully, passionately to pray the will of God. Oh, bless us, Lord, with growth. Bless us with joy. Bless us with energy. Bless us with life. Draw us after yourself, oh, Lord Jesus. For we pray it in your name and for your sake. The pleasing scene is clouded or with pain. Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. Our prayer is that this message was able to nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you. Please visit our website for worship service times, directions to the church, and to subscribe to this podcast. Our web address is fortworthpca.org. Fort Worth Presbyterian is a part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Thus, my Lord, my life, my life.
Away. Won't you chase my fears away?